Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. The Premier League is back this weekend and back with a bang. Ten games across Saturday and Sunday and we will preview the lot here on The Dugout, the podcast featuring former Premier League pros looking ahead to this week's Feast of Fixtures. It's out with the old and in with the new for Norwich, Newcastle and Aston Villa. How will Dean Smith, Eddie Howe and Steven Gerrard fare with their respective new clubs in their first Premier League games in charge? New Tottenham boss Antonio Conte seems as if he's been in a job for ages after the events of last week. The fiery Italian comes up against the veteran Marcelo Bielsa this weekend. And talking of veterans, can the oldest manager in the Premier League, Claudio Ranieri, pile more misery on an already under pressure Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as Watford play Manchester United? Loads to go through on today's podcast, so let's get started. My name's Niall, and to do it all with me, a man who played nearly 400 games for Southampton, it's Francis Benali. Welcome back to the show, Franny. Thanks, Noel. Good to join you again. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting back to Premier League action. Can't wait. Yeah, we were due to have actually former Derby man Michael Johnson with us, but because it's been the international break, he's also an England coach and it's the tail end of that said break, so he's otherwise engaged at the moment. But the powers that be at Sports Social have said, Niall, you've been on holiday for a week. You're going to have to do the show anyway and we'll do it with just you and Franny. I can't believe that. I've just come back from holiday and they're tormenting me with making me do a show with a Southampton legend. So I thought I've got to bring in some reinforcements. So we've got backup in the form of Sports Social's Marley Anderson. How are you doing, Marley? Hey, mate, you think I'm going to be backup? I'm going to be on any Southampton, pro Southampton stuff. It'll just be me and Franny on you, to be fair. Do you know We're what? going to be tag teaming, yeah. Marley. <laughs> oh, Niall, on your, on your intro there, I was hoping you'd say my two guests have got 400 Premier League appearances between them, but you've, 
you've screwed me there because I haven't got any <laughs> Premier League appearances, so you've had me there. <laughs> yeah, the the combined total of Premier League appearances I think remains at three hundred and eighty or two hundred and forty something. I can't remember, Franny. Do you are you the sort of player that remembers the numbers and things like that from your playing days? Because I I always seem to think that there are two types of players. There's the ones that know absolutely everything about every goal and every minute they've ever played, and others that are kind of kind of remember it as one big blur how do you see things uh well i'm very much in the category that uh struggles to remember a lot of stuff which is probably just as well <laughs> given that i only scored one goal then because it makes it an awful lot easier <laughs> to remember that one but uh yeah there was i think it was 389 games in total but um yeah i you know there's other guys that i know former teammates that that literally remember every single bit of detail and i think you know struggle to remember what I had for breakfast yesterday sometimes. So, yeah, can't always recall the good stuff. Unlike Marley's idol, Alan Shearer, who seems to remember every goal and every game he's ever played in. Do you remember, honestly, I remember seeing, um, not so long ago, I remember seeing um, a clip that went viral in Spain training of um, the Spanish players asking Ica Casillas um, like, of like such a specific game. So it was like Real Madrid versus Espanyol 2003 away. Who scored and what was the score? And he was like, "We we won two one." Zidane and Danny scored a goal or something like that. And like they, they checked it on Wikipedia and it was all there. And he's got like this encyclopedic thing. And like, I'm I'm in Franny's corner. I can't remember what happened last week. Like, <laughs> the, the the wedding planning. <laughs> it's it's a goner. Kelly's like, "What time are you picking the suits up?" I was like, four. She was like, "Nah, 12. All right, all right. Cheers. All right, I'll do my best. Well, hopefully your memory serves you well ahead of the big day in a, in a week or so's time. Um, but the big games this weekend are all in the Premier League and all involve those clubs with new managers. And we joked about talking about Southampton, so let's get it out of the way. We'll make it top of the agenda because your former club, Franny, have got a trip to Norwich City. And it's a, a Norwich City side with a new boss. Dean Smith left Aston Villa. He was sacked by Villa last week and he gets the Norwich job almost immediately after the departure of Daniel Farker. He's been speaking in his first pre-match press conference about how he's confident he can keep them up. They're currently five points from safety. But he stated in that media conference that there are 27 games left and loads of points still to play for. In all fairness, despite the amount of times we've written Norwich off this season on the podcast, he's got a point, hasn't he? There's still loads of games left and loads of points to fight for. Yeah, there, there certainly is, Now, And um, there, there can't be too many occasions. I don't know if anyone's looked into this at all, but uh, where a manager gets sucked, sacked after a result like he did against that 1-0 defeat against Southampton recently, and then the first opponents that he faces with his new team is the same team that beat him you know, prior to getting sacked. So that, that would be interesting. But yeah, coming back to your point, now. There's plenty of the season to go yet still and uh, lots of points to play for, as he mentions. Uh, but, you know, he's he's obviously got a job on there to go in and turn things around, stamp his style and his uh, his philosophy on the squad and the club. And uh, But it's a great opportunity, you know. I guess you could say that making the, the decision early to, like we've seen with other clubs already this season, what it does do is give um, managers that opportunity and also a window, a transfer window where they can have enough time to turn things around. And, and, you know, he certainly has that at this point in time. Yeah, he said, Marley, that he knows Southampton well, obviously, because he only prepared for the facing them last week or before the international break, as Franny says. Do you think that will stand him in, in any stead at all? Do you think it makes any difference? Obviously, he's got a whole new group of players to get used to as well. 
<laughs> well, he lost the game, so I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, look, he's he's done the prep. Um, you know, he's been around a long time, hasn't he, Dean Smith? He's not. He's no. He's not new to the game. He's he's got experience, and he knows. He'll know a bit about the Norwich squad. He'll have a rough idea of what his um, his strongest team is and the strongest way to perform. And he'll he'll say, look, you know, um, we didn't start quick enough again at, at Villa against Southampton, and Adam Armstrong caught them cold with a with a fantastic goal, um, and then pretty much, you know, just blocked them out. Villa were, were toothless that that game, um, so they want to be the opposite of that, and that's uh, that's what it comes down to. I think he's he's got a genuine chance of you know twenty seven games is a long time. It's not like he's coming in with ten games to go and he has to find his strongest team, find his best formation, and then you know hope to get some like quick results here and there. It's twenty seven games; it's a long time. Um, Southampton isn't the hardest game to start with so it's a good like building block the squad have won last week uh, last time out before the break so the confidence might be there um and i don't think it's as as cut and dried as as maybe it, it once looked no i was going to say no you know just with what marley said there i think you know prior to you know dean smith being appointed you know you would have probably said that this would have been a, a relatively straightforward fixture going into or certainly a good possibility for Saints to extend their good form at the moment but but now going in with a new manager that lift that that it can bring in a a club and a dressing room you know you you, you've got to say that it's um it makes it a more trickier fixture now for Southampton yeah I was going to ask you Franny do you think Southampton need to be extra wary not only because of that change in manager but also because before the international break Norwich won their first game of the season against Brentford which takes them level on points with Newcastle who also have a new manager which we'll come on to shortly but does this game all of a sudden become more dangerous because you can be caught slightly cold after the international break and there's those other factors of the first win and a new manager to throw into the mix as well exactly all those elements as you just said now and and, and Marley touched on it as well you know there's uh... You know, there's there's the element now where it, it gives it swings the pendulum back in their favour a little bit, and and they'll be on a, a high. The they're playing at home as well, which again will 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 give the supporters a lift as well with the the the, the change probably. So they'll they'll be fascinated. They'll want to rock up in their numbers to see you know what the the, the new look team is going to be. Um, whether he does change it massively, whether he can change it a huge amount, who knows? But uh, it will be an interesting fixture now, and one that from a Saints perspective, I think could could make it a, a very tough game now. And just on the final point on this game, I mentioned the international break and how some teams can sometimes come back from that break cold with players arriving from different places and, and such like. One player who really must have enjoyed his time away with the national side would have been Shea Adams, who obviously was involved in a monumental Scotland win and there were some excellent scenes north of the border after their result in the international break. What do those sorts of games and moments do for players like Shea Adams, who has been criticised at times? Surely those sorts of moments can mean a lot to a player, can't they? Oh, without doubt. You know, like going away and playing for your, your national side and, and, and scoring as Shea did, it, it, it must be a massive confidence boost and a, a, a wonderful moment for him. So he'll be coming back into the Premier League now to certainly continue that. It'd be interesting sort of to see what lineup Ralph Hausenhutl goes with. But uh, from a personal perspective, as somebody like Shea, he'll he'll be absolutely buzzing. He'll want to be get back and playing games again, and, and especially when you're a striker. You know, every every striker, a goal scorer will tell you, you know, 
they want to be playing and especially when they're scoring, the next game can't come quick enough. So I'm sure he'll be uh, be relishing sort of taking Norwich on should he be in the starting lineup. Well, Norwich City are the opponents for Southampton. First game for Dean Smith as new, new Canaries manager kicks off at Carrow Road, three o'clock on Saturday. At the same time, at Dean Smith's former stomping ground of Villa Park, Stephen Gerrard will take on his first game as the new Aston Villa manager after arriving in the West Midlands from Rangers. They take on Brighton. He was always praised for his mentality as a player, Marley. We'll remember better than most the era of Steven Gerrard dominating games single-handedly. Will he bring that mindset to an Aston Villa side who are currently in the worst form in the Premier League because he's going to need to hit the ground running with the way things have been going there? Yeah, he, he needs to. Um, I think his. if you look at his playing career, you know, he, he was captain from a fairly early age or he was certainly that captain sort of mentality he had that sort of natural leadership and I think that is why Liverpool well it's certainly why they won the Champions League um that kind of leadership and stand up and and fight for for what you you know for for the game you're in you know um not giving up and not uh backing down to an opponent never knowing when you're beaten it it's got how many last minute winners and captain fantastic performances um and I think he, he he will probably take that into his his managerial career. We've seen it at Rangers, you know. Let's knock Celtic off the perch. That siege mentality of they're the enemy and we're gonna usurp them in two years or four years, whatever it takes. We're gonna get there. And he got them there to that fifty five. Is it fifty five league titles? He did fifty fifth league title. He got. Um, so it's 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 ingrained in him, and he needs to to bring that to Villa because Villa need it right now. Um, five defeats on the spin. You know they're not a team that should be losing five on the spin because the their squad is still packed with with quality. Um, there's some good players there. There's a natural goal scorer in Danny Ings. There's creativity in Buendia and Bailey and and people like that. And there's a fairly solid defence as well. You've got the newly Polish Matty Cash at right back, um, <laughs> bombing up and down that wing now. So you've got plenty of um, plenty of quality there. One of the best goalies in the Premier League as well with Martinez um, and. It just has to be built on. I feel like the fresh start will do them good. I, I'm, I'm not sure how good, and nobody nobody really is sure how good um, Gerard is as a manager yet. But um, there's a there's a building block there, and I think Villa needed that fresh start um, under someone that isn't Dean Smith, just to take them to that next uh, next level. I think with with Grealish leaving, Smith to adapt his managerial game to. A Grealishless Villa was was always going to be tough because at so many points in the past it was, you know, if we're in trouble we can give it to Grealish and I I'm just not sure he he fully adapted to that. He did have injuries and stuff as well. He tried to get the five at the back and the two up front to to counteract that. Didn't quite work. Um, but now Gerard's coming in with fresh man fresh manager, fresh man at the helm, um, and fresh ideas and hopefully they'll get out of this this slump that they're in and, and start winning games again. Yeah, he mentioned when he took the job in his first interview that Aston Villa kind of sold itself as a club, you know, as a club that's won the European Cup and it's a, a well-established Premier League side, a team that everyone really um, around the game is familiar with. But in terms of who he is as a character, there's no doubting how good he was as a player. And actually, a lot of the players inside the Aston Villa dressing room will remember Steven Gerrard in his playing days. And that's surely got to count for something, Franny. We've kind of seen an example of it with Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace and how, you know, he was revered as a midfield player for Arsenal. And yet that's kind of rubbing off on 
on the team in Crystal Palace. I mean, even a, a more extreme example would be someone like Zinedine Zidane at Real Madrid, someone who's won multiple Champions Leagues, who was a phenomenal player. So surely that star factor must count for something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I've been a player in a dressing room, guys, when, um, you know, former players of a, a you know a, a high and wonderful ability come in as managers and there's there's an element of respect knowing what they did in the game as players um but one thing's for sure just the, the purely the fact that it is Steven Gerrard and the, the huge name that he is um there will be a massive spotlight on him and Aston Villa even more so now especially now that he's moved down there to the Premier League so um, but we know, you know, certainly as a player and a manager, we've seen already, this is a man that's not afraid to, to take on a challenge. And, uh, you know, at the same time, it's a wonderful opportunity for him to, to take over a club like Villa uh, and come back to the Premier League. But at the same time, it's still a huge job. Um, lots of people talking about potentially what's down the line with, you know, maybe being a future Liverpool manager. But as much as it's an opportunity, as I say, there's an element of a risk now that for him and his own CV that he's got to come and actually sort of deliver as a manager in the Premier League as well. So there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on what he does uh, this season and over the coming seasons. And just finally, to further piggyback off of that point, Franny, you mentioned that you know, there's an element of risk. He needs to come to the Premier League and prove it. He's joining an Aston Villa side who are in the worst form in the Premier League. They're five points above the relegation zone, which is a reasonably healthy gap at this stage, but things can change very, very quickly. And time isn't exactly something that many managers are given these days in the modern game. So with all of those ingredients in mind, how important is it that he hits the ground running and makes a good start? Because if he comes in and Aston Villa keep losing games and they continue on this losing run, people will naturally say, Steven Gerrard needs some time. And I would agree, he does need time. He's a new manager that needs to come in and, and bed in his ideas. But time isn't something that's often too kind to managers at this stage of the modern game. So it feels almost as if he has to come in and immediately start getting results because not only has he got to impress and prove that he's up to the task, but he's also got to stop the rot. Yeah, you, you certainly feel like that knowing what we know and how quick, I guess, that clubs are to, to make a decision on a manager. Um, if results and form isn't going well, we we all know the importance of of, of you know, remaining a, a, a Premier League side. And I think that's probably resulted in, you know, sort of number of, you know, managers that we've seen, you know, that have been sacked and replacements come in already so far this season. But what we, what we have noticed is that clubs are given the new men coming in plenty of opportunity. Um, but it's it's a big risk. It's it, When I say risk, it, the pressure is there on him, you know, because as you say, sort of losing five on the bounce now, um, he'll want to come in and halt that rot. But... It will take time. You know, he's going to need time to make that change. There will be that initial impact, I would imagine, that we'll see to a degree. But will that actually translate into winning games of football? Um, but, you know, football's one of those weird scenarios where, and confidence as well, mixed in. We, I guess that's why we all love this this beautiful game. It, You know, sometimes things can happen out of the blue and things change very, very quickly. And, uh you know, it's going to be fa absolutely fascinating to see not just how he, but I know we'll probably come to it, people like Eddie Howe and with the other changes that we've seen in the Premier League this season, will that sort of benefit the clubs that have made that early call to change their managers? 
Well, we'll wait and see. Steven Gerrard takes charge of his first Aston Villa game as they host Brighton. Brighton, of course, have Graham Potter as their coach, someone who's also tipped for bright things in the game. So it'll be interesting to see the tactical battle between those two teams. You mentioned Eddie Howe. We're going to talk about him now. Marley, you're a Newcastle United fan, so why not talk to you about the Magpies game with Brentford at St. James's Park this weekend? It will be Eddie Howe's first game as Newcastle manager, his first Premier League game for what, uh, 18 months or maybe more since he left uh, the post at Bournemouth after their relegation. Your club has still yet to win a Premier League game this season. You're the only team who haven't done that. Brentford are your opponents. They're in poor form. They lost to Norwich before the international break. How big a job does Eddie Howe have on his hands? We've spoken about Steven Gerrard. We've spoken about Dean Smith and the tasks that they have at hand. How tough a challenge is this going to be for Eddie Howe to get things moving for Newcastle? Uh, it's it's a big job. It's definitely a big job. Um, it's a big transformation in terms of uh, approach, in terms of tactics, preparation, um, everything really. Um, you know, it's it's everything from the ground up has changed. Well, from the top down, I should say, ceiling down because there's new owners, there's new staff, um, there's a new manager. He's coming into a squad that has played on the defensive for. T- since 2017 now since since Rafa because Rafa came in and was like defence first I'm going to sort out the defence and we'll go from there um, Bruce came in and said I'm going to copy what he did because <laughs> he was quite good um, so I'll copy what he did um, didn't work obviously and Eddie Howe is an attack first manager so in terms of, of preparation and everything like that we've seen you know everything coming out of Newcastle's um, social media and, and training pictures and things like that of Eddie Howe doing 12-hour days since he's got the job. He's, he turns up at 7 in the morning and doesn't leave till till 11 p.m. Um, some uh, most Well, his first three days he was there, 7 till 11 p.m. So in terms, he knows he's got a big job on his hands, hence why he's there for, for so long. Um, he knows that the the next four games, we've got three teams coming up that are that we should, we should be beating and we need to beat. We've got... Um, Brentford and then we've got Arsenal away and then we've got Norwich and Burnley at home as well so if you're talking if you think three or four games if you separate your your sort of season into three four game periods um, you need to be taking nine points from them 12 because that will hopefully you would hope gets you out of the the bottom three in in time for the Christmas period where I think we've got something like Liverpool, Man City, Leicester and Man United over over the Christmas period in back-to-back weeks and it's uh the the sort of tough games come along with in a bulk like the like the easier or so-called easier games come along but hopefully the atmosphere and and everything is is back up and, and where it should be at Newcastle um and hopefully we can get a result because there's no better way to start a, a new reign than with three points in your first three points in 11 games I agree. And also with that fixture run that you point out, Burnley and Norwich amongst those teams, if you can beat them, you know, we use the cliche six pointers, but you're taking points off of teams around you in the table, which is never a bad thing at any stage of any season. Just finally then, Marley mentioned, Franny, that Eddie Howe's been doing 12-hour days. Now, um, I used to work and live down on the South Coast, much like you still do. And he was very fondly thought of down there for his work ethic and his drive. And that's one of his key qualities, I think, that a lot of people will testify. But also, he's lived down in that area for a long, long time. And there's something he said when he took the Newcastle job, which really caught my ear. And that was, you have to be all in. 
He says, if I'm not all in, then I'm not interested in the job. And when he says all in, he means moving to the area, committing to the job for the two and a half years he's got the contract. That would have been a big decision for Eddie and his family, wouldn't it? Trying to find the right job because, you know, he's well known and loved around the around the local area as someone who is a man of the South Coast. So it'd be a new environment for him in more than one way, won't it? Yeah, and it was a long time ago, wasn't it, that he made the, the move to Burnley and you know, we saw that that wasn't probably the most successful time for him and obviously ended coming back up to, to Bournemouth. But th- this is something that he would have thought long and hard about and, and not made the decision lightly. And quite clearly, as as I would say, was is the right thing that you're either all in or all out, as he said. And, uh, you know, things like family being with you um, is a big decision, but we know how crucial and important having that sort of network and being around your loved ones can can make such a difference as well. I mean, there's probably individuals that are quite happy to to maybe have some sort of distanced relationship and sort of plough themselves into work. And that might work for some people, but you certainly get the feeling that with Eddie Howe, it's one of those scenarios where the family needs to be around him um, and that would make him happier and more focused on the job that he has to do at, at the club. Uh, in some ways, I would say it's a, a, a big, big challenge probably more so than what someone like Steven Gerrard has got on his hands. The fact that they're still looking for that first win. Yes, there are those games that we've just touched on now that are, are, are very winnable. But uh, I think there's that little bit more added pressure in the sense everybody knows the wealth that the new owners um, have at that disposal. And I, and I think that brings a bit of an, an added pressure as well. But this this is certainly something for Newcastle United that I don't think is going to be a, a quick fix Um and maybe they've looked at it as a long-term appointment. And if the worst does happen, he obviously has experience of teams and getting teams promoted as well. So Eddie Howe is certainly ticking a lot of boxes for, for Newcastle United. Yep, three eye-catching fixtures for three new managerial appointments. Villa against Brighton, Norwich against Southampton and Newcastle against Brentford all kick off at three o'clock on Saturday. Time for a break here on Football Social Daily. This is The Dugout where we preview the weekend's Premier League games and still plenty to get stuck into. We'll do it next after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Welcome back to the podcast. This is Sports Social's The Dugout, the Premier League preview show looking ahead to the weekend's action. Joining me, Marley Anderson and former Southampton man Francis Benali. And we've spoken about the new managers in the Premier League. Before too long, Claudio Ranieri will fall into the older managers in the Premier League category. And he's only been there uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, that doesn't include his age, though, as of course he's the oldest and probably the most experienced of managers in the Premier League. His Watford side host Manchester United in the first game back after the international break. And that international break from a Manchester United perspective, Marley, has allowed some of the anger and frustration at the club and amongst the fan base to cool down a little bit after another humbling defeat before the break to Manchester City at Old Trafford. We said the same thing after the Liverpool loss, but how essential is a reaction to the defeat to Man City for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, do you think? Yeah, it's massive. Um, it's it's sort of a, a, a pivotal time, I think. Um, if Man United were going to replace Solskjaer, I think they'd have done it in one of the two previous uh, windows, uh, the international breaks, because there's, there's not really a better time to do it. You don't really want to be doing it over Christmas when the when there's games every three days and, and what have you. Um, 
So I feel like he's in he's in now until at least Christmas. Um, whether Man United fans like it or not, I don't think there's any better manager out there, especially now Conte's taken over at uh, at Spurs. So you you sort of stuck with him. So I feel like he's he's done enough to to warrant him a shot at a full season. Like it was him that put that squad together. Um, I know you know um, results haven't been amazing and performances haven't been amazing, but. He still, in my opinion, deserves the season. Um, I feel like Man United a very, um, what's the word, sort of just hot and cold. Like when when they lose, it's the end of the world. Like they're still sixth in the league. It's not. There's 27 games to go. If we're saying Norwich can survive with Dean Smith, Man United can still finish top four, and it's still a successful season because even the most red of Man United fans before the season would probably say we won't win the league because City are too strong and and Chelsea are too strong and Liverpool have got all their injuries coming back. So I don't think it's a case of we need to win the league at Man Man United. It's a case of if we can finish in the top four, great, and we're in the Champions League and we can can move next season. And if there's a good manager out there in the summer, like Eric Ten Hag or whoever that might be, then maybe then you go for him. But for now, Solskjaer's in. Watford at the weekend is a perfect place to to go in a, to get a result which sort of ushers in this next chapter of the season of you know we've came through Liverpool and Man City getting beat you know seven uh, you know shipping seven goals um let's move on now go to Watford get a win move on and and take it take it game by game but i think everyone knows now that Solskjaer is staying for a little bit longer there's no obvious replacement out there so get on with it Manchester United should be winning these sorts of games though if they have got a hope of the top four they should be beating teams like Watford and when Manchester United were in their pomp I would argue that that coincided with your playing career Franny I don't know if you'd agree with that but unfortunately yeah (laughs) (laughs) well I was led, led me to be a bit curious and ask you whether is there anything different from the outside looking in that you think people perceive about Manchester United now as an entity as a club than when you were playing because it felt like during that period that we discussed, they were unstoppable at times. And they were always in with a shout, whether it be the Champions League, the League, the FA Cup, the League Cup. They were always winning something once a season, it felt like. And they had contenders. Arsenal came along for a bit. Chelsea came along under Mourinho in the early days. You know, even Newcastle, unbelievably, for Mali, were involved at one stage at the top end of a, of a title race. Long Is time ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> um, we would be careful we don't make Franny feel too old here with what we're saying. But um, is there anything different from the outside looking in for you, Franny, than the, for Manchester United or about Manchester United these days than what there was maybe when they were at the peak of their powers? Well, well as a player in a team, you know, especially when you're, you're in those playing periods of your life you know you go into every game wanting to win and focused on winning and believing you can win you know as, as, as much as it is coming up against what was in my era that formidable Manchester United team um, I think over the years and with the changes that we've seen now for sure what what we see now there is a, a different dynamic I would I'd maybe call it almost like the the, the, the psychology of um, you know the, the side of the game is that any team going to Old Trafford years ago, you knew what a tough stadium it was to go and get a, a, a result at. It doesn't have that anymore. It's it, it's lost that fear factor somehow, and and teams do go there now, believing that they can get results. It, and and things do change. Times change, players change, but there was a mentality to that that group and that squad 
probably, I guess, driven largely by Sir Alex Ferguson, but they had the personalities and the characters through the years that they managed to, to replace. Even when big name stars left the club, they still replaced them with a, with, with a similar kind of player, either ability-wise or mentality-wise. Um, and I think that what we're seeing now from the time, like Marley's just saying, that Solskjaer is looking like he's being given the time. I, I personally like to see that. You know, I, I, I don't want to see managers losing their job every five minutes. So it seems like he has got the opportunity to, to, to work his way at United. What it also does at the same time, I think, is cranks up the pressure on him because as we're seeing every week virtually, it, you know, everyone's almost sharpening the axe whenever there's a bad result or a bad performance saying, does he need to go now? But this season, for sure, with the players that he's got there and the period of time he's been there already, he needs to win something and have some sort of success this season if he's going to stay in the job long term. I think that's a fair comment. Watford against Manchester United this weekend, as is Liverpool against Arsenal. And talking about those big games and those big moments in the Premier League in years gone by, Liverpool versus Arsenal was always one of those fixtures that you'd look forward to. It takes place Saturday, 5.30. Are these sorts of games as big and as grand as they once were though do you think Marley do you, do you think these sorts of fixtures still have that sense of occasion as maybe they did in years gone by or is it a little bit more diluted now in the modern game uh I think there's there's still a sense of occasion it's still you know arguably the 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 go-to game of the weekend that you, that you probably want to see especially with the form Arsenal are in right now because you know Arsenal you know, towards the start of the season, you'd be thinking this is this is a walkover, and it, it might still be for Liverpool, but it is mm. going to be more of a test because Arsenal. Are they haven't lost since August. Arsenal. I know. Yeah, was that since they lost the three games in a row? They haven't been. They got been smashed by Man City five nil. They haven't lost since. There you go. Maybe that's uh, that's well, that's rock bottom in it. So you can't. You can only go up from there. And they've they've cultured this sort of. A uh, little run together. They've put it together. Smith Rowe's starting to look like a real uh, player. Saka's playing well. Aubameyang scoring a, a couple of goals here and there. So, you know, I'm not saying they're going to get something from Liverpool because Liverpool have looked ridiculously strong, um, like so smooth and and almost back to where they were when they when they walked away with the league um, a couple of years ago. Like they're they're scary close to that. Uh, to that level, in my opinion, um, and Salah's playing out of his skin as well, you know, scoring goals without even trying half the time. So it'll be be a good game. I still I back Liverpool to win, but if if Arsenal can get something, that would really make that sort of top six uh, race interesting because if if Arsenal can go to the top, the best teams in the country, and show that they've turned the corner. Like that's huge for their mentality and it's huge for Arteta to say, look, yeah, I've been here a little while and people were saying, well, what is what is he trying to do? Um, and I feel like it, it could be like a signpost thing of like, well, we're here now. We got battered by Man City, yeah, but we've we've gone and we've drawn with Liverpool or we've we've snuck a, a 1-0 or a 2-1 win um, and here's where we start to, to flex our muscles a little bit because there is still talent in that squad. There's still... The, the, the defence is looking a lot better than it has been. Gabriel and White at the back are, are solid. Tommy Asu coming in at right back is 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 a solid or has looked pretty solid um as they come. Tierney at left back, all of a sudden it looks a lot better than it was. Ramsdale's playing well in goal and you build from there. So I think Arsenal are starting to turn a corner and this will be a nice little test to see how much of that corner they've turned, I think. Yeah, and Liverpool will be so keen to make up 
for lost ground, especially considering they lost to West Ham two weeks ago before the international break. Jurgen Klopp was my villain of the piece for that Premier League weekend because I don't think he could really admit that West Ham were the better team. Obviously, Alisson had a bit of a blunder on That's a couple like of occasions. Him. No, well, yeah, exactly. It's not like Jurgen Klopp <laughs> to, to, to maybe perhaps throw a few excuses out there, but every manager is like that. And I think, Franny, that mentality is just because he hates losing. It's not a bad thing to be a sore loser, particularly when you're in a ruthless as environment as the Premier League and being a manager in the Premier League at that. So after losing chance to gain ground on Chelsea last time out, he'll be doubly keen to put things right against Arsenal this weekend, won't he? Yeah, for sure. And if it were to be a, a victory for Arsenal, it's going to t- take them one point above Liverpool on the table anyway. So there's an incentive there to, to get back to winning ways for Liverpool for sure. And, you know, they won't want to fall off the pace at all and want to stay in touch with the, the teams above them in the, in the title race. Um, and, and as we've seen already with, with Mo Salah, you know, coming up against the, the striker, the player of uh, the season so far, in my opinion, um, just absolutely incredible. And uh, they'll want to be getting back to winning ways for sure. Um, and, you know, from the, the the sort of things that you say about the managers back in their team, yes, I, I agree with you. Sometimes you'd just like them to turn around and give a bit of credit to the opposition when you've been beaten on the day. But uh, again, talking about sort of players and managers from my era, you know, none more so, I guess, than Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, if uh, we had we had some good victories over them at the Dell over the years, and uh, I don't ever remember once sort of like and turning around saying uh, Saints were, were were better than us today. There, there was always a reason, you know, when we saw that the change of shirts as well, and <laughs> that was the classic one, I guess, the, the the ultimate really. But I think one year the grass was too long, and something else was was the reason why they lost on another occasion. So, yeah, you know, if you're one of the players in in the team that's won the game on that occasion, it's frustrating when you don't get the recognition necessarily, but you completely understand why managers back their own players and team. If I was a manager and we were playing against Southampton and we got beat, I'd be doing the same thing as well, Franny, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be making all the excuses I possibly can. Um, interesting game this weekend, for sure, between two really informed teams. Despite their loss last time out, Liverpool looking formidable, as Marley says, and Arsenal unbeaten for a number of months now. Those two clash at Anfield on Saturday at half five. Uh, Just under 24 hours later on Sunday afternoon, it's Tottenham Hotspur against Leeds in North London. This is Conte versus Marcelo Bielsa. Now, managers have been a running thread throughout this podcast today. We've had new ones, we've had older ones. We've got two really passionate ones doing battle on the touchline between uh, Conte and Bielsa in this game between Spurs and Leeds. What do you make of the current crop of managers we've got in the top flight? Franny. I mean, you've mentioned Sir Alex Ferguson a couple of times. Obviously, Arsene Wenger was managing uh, in the Premier League when you were playing. Uh, Is this the best group of managers we've ever had? Because if you look at some of the names, I mean, they're A-list elite managerial names. If you go through the clubs from, you know, A to Z, so to speak, you're looking at a, a real great roster of managers, aren't you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's no different, I don't think, to what we see as players really sort of looking at the Premier League and thinking, well, this is the best league to be playing in the world. Uh, and managers are looking at that exactly the same, I would imagine. There's an opportunity to to sort of pit their wits against other great managers in, in the Premier League at this moment in time. And I think it's brilliant for all of us that, you know, especially this season, when you're seeing what we've seen so far, a very open, you know, title race and, it, it, it makes it exciting for, for the teams that are involved in it quite clearly, but also neutrals as well. 
you know, when you've got just one team completely dominating, you know, uh, the table or a, a period of time uh, each year, then it, it can become a little bit stale and a little bit boring in some ways. So, yeah, managers bring that spice to it as well. You know, we we see from footage every every weekend, really, don't we? That it's not just the cameras on the players on the pitch. You know, the the managers on the touchline are just as much in the spotlight and their reactions and how they do their their work. And I think that just brings that that added interest into it when you've got managers like we have in the Premier League at the moment. And this is going to be certainly a spicy one, maybe, between these two. Yeah, I think the camera will be pointed firmly at the touchline as well as on the pitch during this game. And actually, interestingly enough, we mentioned the the array of managers and the new managers we've got in the league this weekend, Marley. But also, in terms of the tactical matchups, Liverpool against Arsenal will certainly be an interesting one, as will Villa against Brighton, in my opinion. But arguably, you could say Conte versus Bielsa, Spurs against Leeds from a tactical perspective is certainly one for the purists, for want of a better expression. That will be an interesting watch. It will, yeah. I mean, Leeds have, have obviously flattered to deceive this season. Um, I feel like injuries injuries is the biggest part of what where Leeds have gone wrong. I think they've had Phillips and Bamford injured for uh, quite a quite a long period of, of the season. Either one's out or both of them's out, and it really affects Leeds because the the depth is is not the best. Um, but yeah, I mean the 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 clash against Conte, it's uh, it it'd be very very interesting, and it'd be funny to see them on the on the touchline as well because Conte will be doing his wacky inflatable arm tune man impression where he's you know effing and blinding at everything and kicking every ball and he see Bielsa with his incredible uh ankle strength to to sit in that crouched position like a praying mantis for like 90 <laughs> minutes like I don't know how he how he does that because my ankles hurt just watching him and he's been he's like 60 odd years old like he's he must have ankles that are just like steel it's madness um but it's like he's he's the quiet one who's taking everything in and processing it, and then Conte's like this, like flaming inferno of a manager, just like hammering everyone of, of any any tiny thing. But also both getting like huge things from the game that they can use to to uh, to improve the sides. But it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting game because Leeds will be very very brave. They always have done. They leave one on ones all over the pitch and make make the pitch as big as possible. And that's incredibly brave against Chelsea who who flood that midfield um and swarm over a lot of teams with their their, their back three system. Um so it'd be really interesting. I can't see Chelsea Chelsea what am I mean about Chelsea? I wonder Conte's in my head. Conte's got well in my head. I'm on about Spurs, <laughs> aren't I? But it's the same thing. It's that back three system and the, the flood in the midfield. He will do the same thing um, with, with Spurs, mm. or he'll try to anyway. Um, and we'll we'll see if uh, Spurs can play like Chelsea did over the uh, over the years that we got used to them under Conte, because he'll be he'll be trying to instill that uh, that sort of belief mm. um, and bring those players through in the same way. Um, and we'll see how it goes because it's. It, they're not used to it yet, so we know we don't know how how they're they're gonna perform yet. So it'll be a really interesting one. Two well-respected managers in Conte and Bielsa clashing on Sunday at half four. Incidentally, Conte's first Tottenham game was a nil-nil draw with Everton. And Everton are in really poor form. Two equally well-respected managers in Pep Guardiola and Rafa Benitez. 
do battle as Man City play Everton Sunday, 2 o'clock at the Etihad. And Rafa really needs a win, Franny. Everton, they haven't won in the top flight for nearly two months now. And they've had some tough results against the likes of Watford and Wolves, two games in which they, they both lost. Do you think he can upset Manchester City? He's one of those managers, Rafa Benitez, where if he's going to get, if, if there's going to be anyone that gets a one-off result, it's probably him. Yeah, you, you, you could sort of half see maybe coming up with a, a game plan um, and a strategy for the game that might just make it difficult for Manchester City. Uh, as you say, he's, he's, he's a kind of manager that, that could come up with, with a system maybe for the day or a game plan that, that may work. But again, you know, it'd be interesting to see maybe what, what sort of players are available to, for him to choose in this fixture. You know, you'd certainly say that he needs as fully a fit squad as possible in, in, in this sort of fixture. And, and that goes for any team, to be honest, coming up against this City side. And, uh, you know, you, you'd have to say it's going to be an extremely tough one um, because Manchester City are just a formidable lineup. They're that well-oiled machine um, that have been doing it so for so many seasons now under Pep that uh, it's, it's, it's going to you know be a huge ask for, for Everton to, to get a result, given, like you say, they're in different form and results in, in, in recent times. Yeah, Manchester City, though, I mean, what can we say about them that we haven't already said? They've had a couple of blips already this season, but much like Marley, you said about Liverpool, at times they've just looked unstoppable. And uh, I'm really interested to see how Rafa Benitez will try and put stop to Manchester City, particularly at the Etihad Stadium. That's Sunday at 2pm. Still a few more games to talk about. We'll do it next after this on The Dugout. The Dugout Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the final part of the show. Still three Premier League games to get our teeth stuck into, so let's waste no time and get right into Leicester against Chelsea, which is the half-12 kickoff on Saturday. Chelsea, of course, still top of the league, despite the fact they drew with Burnley in the last game before the international break, due to the fact that Liverpool slipped up against West Ham United. This won't be an easy game for them, though, against the Leicester team, who have made it tough for some of the title contenders at points this season. We discussed Man City before the break, Marley, and I distinctly remember a game in which Man City had to work really hard to get anything out of Leicester City. Um, it hasn't been a vintage start for the Foxes or for Brendan Rodgers, who's been linked with the Manchester United job as well over the course of the international break. How do you see this one going between perhaps a below-par Leicester side and the Chelsea team gunning for the title? Uh, it's... It's it's tough, isn't it? Because Leicester just haven't quite clicked this season, um, and despite them signing pretty well as they usually do in the summer, um, I don't think they've quite clicked into gear yet. But they're always dangerous, and and Rogers, with his approach to games, um, is he's got plenty of sort of tricks up his sleeve. He can play different ways. You don't always know what you're going to get from Leicester uh, when you're trying to prepare for them. Um, but Chelsea are. Chelsea have looked really strong, haven't they? Recently, you know, their the wing backs. You know, a lot of people say the the wing back, the sort of five at the back system is a defensive system, but it's not when you have seventy percent possession of the of the ball because you've got two guys up front or three, uh, and you've got wing backs who who basically play in your half, so you've got everything to deal with there. Um, and the way Chelsea sort of approach it, you know, they they dominate massive parts of the game, and you're going to have to 
go ten minutes without seeing the ball, um, and and try and nick it when you when you do get it. Use Vardy's pace on the on the counter attack and and hopefully nick something there. But it's a, it's a tough one because Brendan Rodgers needs a bit of consistency and he needs to also prove that this this like lingering rumor of maybe he goes to Man United is uh, is not affecting him because as soon as he, if he goes another two or three games without winning. People might say as the as the speculation started to to seep into Leicester a bit too much, are they thinking is the manager gonna go? Um, and it'll just create a a sort of atmosphere that he doesn't want at Leicester because he's he's created such a good atmosphere over the three or four years that he's been there that they're all about Leicester, they're all about what they can do, and I feel like this is might just be a like a an unwelcome distraction for him. So. A win over Chelsea will sort that sort all that out, I would say. Yeah, I think this interesting with this whole wing back thing. You were a, a fullback in your day, Franny. Was that was that something that was really ever around when you were playing, or is it certainly more in vogue now? Because it feels like all of the successful teams are playing with those really advanced wing backs. Were you a defender first and foremost? I mean, I guess your goal tally that you mentioned at the start of the show probably highlights that fact. Exactly, Noel. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, I was the, the kind of fullback that literally slammed the brakes on at the halfway line. Um, <laughs> and that was about the extent of my, uh, my venturing forward. Uh, but you're right, you know, the the modern fullback is very much a player that's expected to be comfortable in possession of the football, like all players are, um, but very much you know, being a threat going forward for their team and, uh, and providing that width and supplies to the strikers, etc. So um, it, it's, it's probably one of the most sort of key roles that every position is important, but these, these sort of wing back positions are a key to how a lot of managers want to play now and having the right person in the right position, you know, in any slot is, is key, but this, you know, quite often these kind of positions, um, result in sort of the, the, the amount of chances that you are creating for your team and we've seen sort of you know especially with Chelsea and Reese James you know the number of goals he's scored recently and Ben Chilwell's getting on the goal scoring sheet you know those those two players have been smashing goals in more than than you know sort of some of the bigger bigger striker names so it, it just goes to show how formidable and how strong Chelsea are under Tuchel at the moment um and you know they are the team to beat as we know and uh, they'll, they'll certainly be looking to get back to to win in ways, but um, like what you know, I've seen from Chelsea so far this season. There's there's a real belief and a confidence about them at the moment. Here's a question for you then: Before we move on, is it easier to turn a winger into a wing back than a fullback into a wing back? In in your opinion, because it it almost seems as if nowadays you know, one of the key attributes for a wing-back, as you've just said, it is not so much the defending. It is about putting the balls in and getting into those advanced areas. So would you would you argue that it's almost two two different roles in the sense that it's it's easier or harder to, to turn one position into the wing-back role? Yeah, I would say that that is the case. No, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about my own experiences now and, and, and the scenario that I had at Southampton towards the end of my career is when uh, Wayne Bridge is a, a, a left-winger converted to a wide left player and then ultimately a, a, a left fullback. And I think, you know, he was sort of around about that time that, uh, you know, we, we started to see the, the development of what we, we, we witness in the Premier League now. Uh, and, and I would say that it would be easier for somebody like a winger to revert to that wing-back role as opposed to somebody like myself that was an out-and-out defender stepping up to that wider position, expecting to get forward and be creative. 
I, I didn't have that particularly in my game. So I would imagine, you know, if you've already got that flair and creativity as an attacking player, it would be easy to adjust to that kind of role and position as um, as, a, as a left winger, for example. Um, and even more so if you've got that little bit of a grit and you can defend and have that defensive quality about you as well. Because in all honesty, I think, you know, that, that kind of role and position now, managers want more of the attacking side of it from that kind of position and player than they do the defensive side. Yeah, really interesting, actually, just to get your viewpoint on that, because it, it does feel like almost that position is itself now um, turning a winger into a wing back. I mean, we've had this discussion before, Marley, where, you know, people have mentioned Manchester United playing a, a back five system and Jaden Sancho being a wing back, even though he's a winger, it's not something you can ever envisage. Um, but then again, Aaron Wambasaka is a more defensive player and it's almost difficult for him to get into those advanced positions and put the crosses in. So it's, it's a really interesting nut to try and crack, to be honest with you. Um, that game between uh, Leicester City and Chelsea, half 12 kickoff. Now we're going to talk about Wolves against West Ham. Two sides in really good form, two of the most informed sides in the division, in fact. Do you think West Ham can continue to defy the odds, Marley, and beat Wolves this weekend to become an even bigger threat to the top four because they're upsetting the apple cart at the moment? They are, yeah. Um, I, can, I can definitely see it. Um, Wolves are... Uh improving they found they found the feet under Bruno Large um but yeah it's West Ham do look like a bit of a juggernaut at the minute um you know Antonio going away uh with Jamaica scoring uh what was his first goal in seven years from outside the box uh for Jamaica that that absolute thunderbolt he hit uh, which would probably still be travelling somewhere over the Caribbean. Probably hit you in your deck chair in St. Lucia, <laughs> did it, like last week? Um, I did so, see a strange <laughs> object yeah, with a piece a sh- of netting attached to it. Yeah, it wasn't a shooting star, mate. It was uh, or a flying <laughs> carp or something. It was Antonio's thunderbolt. What, what a hit that was. But, you know, he's he's massively informed. West Ham are massively informed. Um, their win over Liverpool will make some of them think, you know what, maybe this is... This isn't just a good run of form. This is a genuine shot at the top six again, um, and even a shot at the top four, because with five or six games to go last season, they were fourth in the league. Um, they've got January coming up. I've seen a rumour again today that they're going to go in for Lingard again, um, with, with him not uh, working out at Man United right now. So there's like a, a base there that they've put themselves in, because I think last season with West Ham, it was more the second half of the season where they got very, very good. And now this uh, this season, it's been uh, the first third of the season where they've been very good as well. So if you can find that consistency, then West Ham could be a serious threat. And, you know, I think I mentioned on one of the podcasts last week, I, I don't know if you were here, I think you might have been away now, but I'm sure you were listening on your on your beach in, in, <laughs> in, 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 in the Caribbean. Um, the, the togetherness of West Ham is what makes them so good. Um, there was uh, there was somebody who I follow on Twitter who's just a, a semi pro footballer I, I used to work with, and he he said that like a good dressing room will get you ten points a season because you all like each other, you all play for each other, you all put your foot in when one one guy makes a mistake, you you just fight for them a bit more, and I think that's what West Ham have got better than any other team in the Premier League right now is that togetherness and they're all pulling in the same direction, they're all good players doing very good jobs. They all know their jobs. They're all organised. Um, and you're seeing that with the results. So fair play to them. Mm, you could argue the same with Crystal Palace, in fact, who feature in the last game we're going to talk about on today's show as they travel to Turf Moor to play Burnley. 
going really good guns at the moment. Crystal Palace, Vieira doing an excellent job. Players like Conor Gallagher have performed brilliantly and been rewarded with England call-ups. He played his first game against San Marino. We spoke about Conor Gallagher on Thursday's podcast, so you can check that out in the timeline on Football Social Daily if you subscribe to the show. That way you won't miss an episode if you do hit that subscribe button. But anyway, Burnley against Palace. I want to talk mainly about Burnley, though, just to close, Franny, because they're in the relegation zone. They're two points from safety, but they did draw with Chelsea last time out, which was a huge result against the league leaders for them in terms of confidence, and they're unbeaten in three games. But with Norwich and Newcastle getting new managers that we talked about at the top of the podcast and maybe a surge in form from those clubs as a result of that, do you think that that gives Sean Dyche some extra determination to try and get those performances and results in the bag? Because it's not going to get any easier from this point, really, for Burnley. I I don't believe that uh, Sean Dyche needs any any added motivation or incentive to, to, you know, do what he's already doing with with this Burnley side. you know, it's 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 nice to see that again, uh, clubs sticking with managers when, you know, things are tough, and we, we we know how hard it is for especially somebody like a Burnley who haven't had the the, the budget and and the resources to to spend like many other clubs have done. Uh, but what they've got is a, you know, Marley's just touched on it about what they've got at West Ham at the moment. They've got a, a belief and a, a camaraderie and a spirit, um, and almost that mentality of we'll take on the world situation where you know with with Sean Dyche at the helm you know that they're all going to fight and scrap for one another and and that's what they've got to do they'll they've just got to keep picking up these points um you know in the games and be difficult to beat which they are um and you know that they, quite clearly like a number of other clubs it's survival this season and that, and that is the aim um and you know with somebody like Sean in in, in charge uh, I've, I've I've got a, a lot of belief and confidence in, in in how he sort of goes about setting a team up and motivating a team, and you know, and comes across very well in his in his interviews as well. Uh, and, and and as one of those sort of teams and a manager that I I, I always like to see do well, uh, as long as it's not at the cost of my own team, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it's nice when when sides. And people They're an like, underdog club, aren't they? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 people like to see that, you know. When uh, and, and you know, I've been part of a, a a club in my playing time where you know we always felt like we were being written off every year, and that that does sort of develop a, a, a sort of siege mentality where you think, well, okay, we'll we'll prove people wrong. And I've got no doubt whatsoever that you know Burnley have that, and they'll they'll be doing their utmost to um to do that once again this season. Yeah, they take on Crystal Palace at Turf Moor. And I liked what you said about the players fighting and scrapping for each other because if they're not doing that, Sean Dyche will be fighting and scrapping with them <laughs> because that is the sort of standards he demands for yeah. sure. And he'd go through every single one of them as well, wouldn't he? He wouldn't <laughs> back against Sean <laughs> Dyche in a, a 20-man manager Royal Rumble. He's coming out on top every time. Well, then we'll close out with that key question that everyone wants to know the answer to we talked about managers all through the podcast is he the toughest Premier League manager is he the hardest is anyone going to give him a run for his money I mean I I think Antonio Conte you mentioned the fire in his belly I think that he's probably got a few uh, tricks up his sleeve (laughs) we've we've got Patrick Vieira now as nice a guy as as he is off the pitch you know remembering from his playing days so he 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 might be a contender for Sean (laughs) (laughs) I think with uh, I think with 
Conte, you know, if we're talking in sort of boxing rounds, like Conte in the ninth would need another hair transplant because he'd, he'd lose it halfway through, wouldn't he? He'd be tearing other people's hair out and all sorts. Um, wouldn't have that problem with Sean Dyche. Wouldn't have that with Sean. Sean Dyche had streamlined. Um, <laughs> zero hair means his head can come through the air quicker at, at the opponent, headbutts everywhere, <laughs> kicking everyone up in the air. So I'd, I'd probably plump for Dyche. Um, and it's amazing to know that he's... He's uh, he's not a northerner. Doesn't doesn't everything about Sean Dyche scream northerness? Like big, rough sort of fella, and he's actually from Coventry, which is like quite a well-spoken like little area near <laughs> Oxford. So, <laughs> so it's weird. I always find it weird when I realise he's a southerner. But well, that that was the weird. question that everyone waited nearly an hour to get answered. Sean Dyche, I think, from the three of us, is going down as the toughest manager in the league <laughs> right now. Uh, let us know if you've got any thoughts and opinions. You can always get in touch with us on social media at the Sports Social on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well and also if you hit subscribe that way you won't miss another episode of this podcast again we are the only show with a brand new episode every single day of the Premier League season no other podcast will do that for you but that's it for our weekend preview show all 10 games done and dusted Fergal Brennan will be back on Sunday to run the rule over those games that have taken place but that's it for today thanks Franny thank you Marley appreciate your time listening in this is Football Social Daily this has been The Dugout and we'll catch you next time The Dugout Premier League Preview, Football Social Daily. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.